Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is the man with the tinfoil hat, John Keyes. Wow, we doing this. Oh, is this what we doing? Okay, you're going to get your retribution, sir, all right? And it's going to be swift, funny, and and cringy painful. Wait, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I, you know, like... Okay, people, so... Before we get before we go down this, cue my music. All right, so we were talking um, just about Angela Hill, okay, and she she did the Joe Rogan podcast before uh, the the last uh, UFC pay per view. And come to find out that she is the granddaughter of Barney Hill, and anybody that wants to look up Barney Hill on Wikipedia, you're free to do so. He and his wife Betty Hill were the were uh were the first publicized uh alien alien abductees and it's also it, the incident was also known as the hill abduction and the zeta reticuli incident look it up it's really interesting stuff all right hey so first of all why are you looking off camera uh oh i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry here let, let me adjust people sorry about that <laughs> i'm like oh my goodness this is crazy. Uh, we're doing this live. All right. Yeah, we're live. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Okay, All much right. better. That's yeah. Better. Hold on, because see, I can't see me for some reason. I see you. I see you twice. Okay, there I am. Okay. So. All right. All right. So there you go. You got it out of the system. There you go. The, the Mr. Conspiracy Theory, John Keys. I am not a conspiracy theorist, people. He just a hater of the highest of the highest caliber. That's all he is. All right. It's all fun games until until he's getting abducted and he looking at him and they looking at him and they like, how you like it? Okay. Warm or cold. Okay. Look, look, look. Before we go way too far, we don't we don't even need to go there. Okay. I don't want to hear the word probe. All right. Here we go. All right. We're on it. So. You know, we were all ready to see Dominic Reyes versus John Jones in the rematch. And then Jan Blakovich KOs Corey Anderson in the first round, and now everything has changed. So that's what we want to talk about in our headliner. This is the headliner. This is where we talk about the top story that matters most to us here at Combat Sports Talk, and that is... The walk-off knockout by Jan Blakovich. So this was Rio Rancho. We're going to go through the whole official decision and talk about all the fights, but we're going to go to the main event first because it has long-standing, wide-ranging impact on the light heavyweight division. So uh, let's get into it. The UFC fight night, should John Jones be next for Jan Blakovich? There's been a ton of people who are saying, we don't need to see Reyes again. We don't need to see uh, Santos again. What we really need to see is wh whether or not Jan Blakovich can do what no one else outside of a disqualification with Matt Hamill has done, and that is beat <laughs> John Bones Jones. You're gonna have some Hamill fans run up on you, dude, for that. Okay, don't don't play with them. They're they're hardcore serious about it. But uh, yes, I mean at this point we need to see Blankovic, Reyes, and then Mahete before it's all said and done. That that should be the next three fights lined up for Jones at this point. I have, and I'll say this off off uh, camera with with uh, Ryan that I have never seen the word pow enter the octagon until he did that. Because it was literally, he hit him, the words pow, like a like a balloon just exploded right there. And then as as Corey was laying on the ground, he was like, oh, let me chop off his head and Boom. went for a hammer fist. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I think he's dead and walked off and, and, and went to celebrate then. So 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 was that was that hammer fist on Corey Anderson necessary? Absolutely not. No, okay. no, no. That's not how you're supposed to answer that. You're supposed to say that was super necessary. Okay. Super necessary. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, <laughs> that, that. That of course that is uh, the quote from uh, Jorge Masvidal after that's him right. taking the the hammer <laughs> strikes on a knocked out Ben Askren. It was super necessary. <laughs> and then did you see what he did afterwards? He went. 
immediately and start scanning for John Jones. Right, because John Jones was in the audience. Yes, he was. It was one of the rare appearances that he's made uh, at UFC events. And but this was in I his th- backyard, th- right? So this the yeah, event was basically right in down the street from John Jones. Uh, he trains in New Mexico uh, at, in Albuquerque, and so basically he had to drive down to Rio Rancho, which I'm assuming is has to be a a, a, a suburb of, of Albuquerque. There's not a lot of. I think it's like a. I think it's like an hour or two outside of Albuquerque. Yeah, uh, you could you could Google I, I'm, map. I'm it. working it. All right, but um. Yeah, and I'll say this. I think John Jones was a little relieved that that did happen. Um, so explain and, that to me, because I don't, I don't see that at all. I saw the if you read, if you listen to the comments and um, the interviews that the that that people were having with John Jones, he was kind. You could kind of hear it in his voice, like you know, I'm so glad that you know he got knocked out because he was talking too much trash, and I'm just so happy that you know John is that Jan had 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 knocked him out. I mean, it was just it was not more the words, but how he was wording it. It was just like you seem a little too relieved to take that man on, and I understood why because overtime is a killer. Okay. But we also found that that Jan is a killer's killer. Okay. Well, yeah, absolutely. Jan, Jan is is has some pretty impressive knockouts. I mean, one of them is Luke Rockhold, who was moving up from 185. But at the same time, both of these guys have shown that they've got you know the ability to finish fights. The thing for me, I got to respond to you about John Jones. I don't think that John Jones was afraid of Corey Anderson at all. I think John Jones was a- annoyed by Corey Anderson and how Corey Anderson was just kept talking and talking and talking about how he's going to be the one to beat John Jones and it's like, dude, you just look past Jan Blachowicz and look at that. You got knocked out and embarrassed. I mean, this was a first round finish. It was almost a buffer factor. So, it you almost. know, it, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like I see John Jones is going. You want some of this, but you can't even make it past the 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 title eliminator fight. So go sit down, Corey Anderson. You're not ready for me. And I think go back to wrestling. Yeah, is that what you? Yeah, say? <laughs> and, and, and and I think I think John Jones is also um, happy that Jan Blachowicz has has um, won because Jan Blachowicz is a style that complements his way of fighting. When we look at someone like uh, Dominic Reyes and we look at you know someone like Tiago Santos, these are very powerful guys that press forward. They're super athletic. They're going to come forward and they can take all kinds of damage on their way in. Whereas Jan Blachowicz is a counterpuncher, which means that that means John Jones is going to have some time to be able to kind of work his process he's not going to have to worry about someone always in his face always coming at him and as a result i think it, it bodes poorly for someone like jan blokovic to, to to fight john jones i agree um he you know because i do we do understand now that one of the keys to beating um john jones is pressure mm-hmm. is constant pressure and if you're not able to deliver that if you're a counter puncher you're in trouble because now you're going to give John Jones not only the range that he desires, but the ability to work his his gameplay. Because so, if you think about it, the, the past couple of fights, we haven't seen him do, do his his infamous spinning elbow. No, he hasn't had we time. Have not. He, yeah, because he, he's been pressured. But now we're about to see a fighter in, in John that it, that if he doesn't change up his style and doesn't start having giving the ability to add pressure, that he's going to get a lot of spinning elbows that day. Yeah, and so I, I, I don't think that it, it's a great matchup for Jan Blachowicz, but the other thing that we need to talk about is whether or not this is, who's who's going to fight next? Like, now that Corey Anderson's lost, you've got Mojeta, Tiago Santos, who's lost, you've got Dominic Reyes, you've got three excellent fighters who need another fight. So how would you match up these three fighters? Who would fight whom? Uh, as far as like you know them sorting themselves out on who's going to do what. Yeah, because uh, assuming that 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 everything that's right with the world will happen, and John Jones will now face Jan Blachowicz, um in uh, maybe International Fight Week, or I guess that that may be a little too soon. So maybe no, it's actually that's actually if they do it quickly, that can actually happen because Jan has not didn't take any real damage. Correct. Okay, 
John is 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 okay. It will be definitely be okay if they really want to do it. They need to sign those papers probably by the end of the month. Yeah, and start and start the training. They can actually make international fight week. And international fight week takes place on Fourth of July weekend. That that's the first, yeah, yeah, the first weekend of July. Yeah, so that's the international fight week. That is kind of the. Um, the 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 Christmas for MMA fighters who follow the UFC, right? Like if you right. if you follow this sport and you're a UFC fan, International Fight Week is your big holiday. So um, that that I think is possible. We but even looking a little farther, something like August or or, or September isn't that far off for them to fight because that would give John Jones potentially uh, a the last fight in December or early January um, to to fight. You know, again. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but I want to know this: Do you would who would you match up out of the three losers? You've got Tiago Santos, you got Dominic Reyes, and you got Corey Anderson. Two of them lost to John Jones. One of them lost to Jan Blachowicz. Who would you match up for the next title shot? Ooh, I would say. The two that fought that fought Jones and, and lost that's Reyes and Maheta, mm-hmm. uh, Tiago Santos. Yeah. I say those two <clears throat> go play Rock'em Sock'em. Mm-hmm. And then and see you're missing you're forgotten of another person in the in the in the component. We still have Mr. Walker sitting out there somewhere, oh. even though he got knocked out. He's his his shoulder is back on the men, and I think he's actually ready to start to start fighting again. So we still have Mr. Walker out. There. Yeah. So Johnny Walker is another person that that we could uh, uh, that we could potentially see. The problem is is that Corey Anderson has already knocked out Johnny Walker. So perhaps what you do is you go Dominic Reyes, uh, Dominic Reyes to Corey Anderson, Maheta versus Johnny Walker. I don't know if that works. They may have already fought. Or vice versa, but rather than have Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes fight each other, which I think would be an excellent fight, we'd be super entertained. But you got two of your best top guys, and you don't really, from a UFC standpoint, from a scheduling, I don't know that you want to put those two fighters in the ring at this point because I I I, I just don't think you want to face them off. That's like having your number one seeds face each other in the first round. You don't want that. Right. Okay. So, all right. So then that well, because see, what we're doing right there, we're we're having the two guys that faced off against Jones mm-hmm. versus the two guys that lost at tighter elimination fights. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at, and that I think would be a whole well, a whole lot better. As a matter of fact, that's a that that the the Walker versus Corey Anderson that would be a that would be a, a part two, a serious part two. Because wasn't it? To, uh, it was a one round. It, it was a it was a one one round hit or quitter. It, it, Corey exactly. Anderson walked walked through him. He's not going to want that fight. Like I would much rather if I was Corey Anderson, I'd much rather fight Tiago Santos or Dominic Reyes. Uh, to, right, to be so, honest. So let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, since um, let's do. Let's do Tiago Santos versus Corey Anderson, and then Johnny Walker versus Dominic Reyes. That's some that's some dynamic fighting right there, because we got the, the we got uh, Tiago Santos mm-hmm. versus Overtime, and that right there, those are two real killers mm-hmm. right there. And then we have two crazy dynamic dogs dogs that's going in the ring that probably have to be chained up by the collar and um and Dominic Reyes and Johnny Walker who will throw everything and anything at any time on each other. That's there you go. Don't let it and let them do a little bracket fight. Yep. And that, whoever's whoever comes out, that's who you throw up. And and, and and the best part about it is that means you've lined up the next two fights for John Jones. Because the winners of those two fights should also get title fights. So you line up the next two fights for John Jones, Blachowicz, if he wins that, then you've got the winner of maybe Dominic Reyes and... Uh, and whoever fights first. Yeah, whoever's, whoever, the, whoever's available. All right, yeah. so there you go. We have solved the challenge of who, sh- make it happen. who should uh, who, who John Jones should face next. Let's get into the rest of the action with the official decision.
This is the official decision. This is where we look at the results from the fights this weekend. And that was a wonderful round of fights with UFC Fight Night Anderson versus Blachowicz to uh, February 15th. 2020 in Santa Ana Star Arena in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, which is, I looked it up, one hour outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So it, it's, you know, it's it's basically a suburb. Fair enough. It's like coming from here to maybe Frisco. Yeah. I'm sorry, from Dallas, Texas to Frisco, Texas, right. basically. Right. All right. So we had six fights on the card. Lando Venata defeated Yancey Madero's via unanimous decision. You know, we haven't seen Yancey Madero's in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a quick minute. I don't know if he's going to be in the UFC too much longer. Uh, it, it's been a while for him. I think he had an injury. He was, he was out on injury, and he just came back, and, I, it, you know, it, it wasn't this night. It was ring. I, I'll, you know, I want to say ring rust, but to hear some fighters say, say there's no such thing as ring rust, I kind of I, I want to disagree with that because it's one thing to spar every day against people. It's another thing to put yourself in the ring with surrounded by thousands upon thousands of people to have all that added pressure mm-hmm. of people who don't train with you to spectate to spectate and watch you either stand or fall and not care less right so so uh you know he's he's a hawaiian fighter um he always puts on a great show pushes forward scraps a lot but i don't know uh he you know he's 30 27s all across the board there ray borg is back in action against rogerio bontorin he won via mm-hmm. unanimous decision. There was a 30-25. So, you know, Ray Borg Somebody is... Somebody messed up. <laughs> yeah, like that. that is... I, I don't even see how that how that happened. But, you know, with the, with the scoring and the judging, it, it's just it's crazy. Um, We're going to talk about that later, too. Brock Weaver defeated Kazula Vargas via disqualification as a legal knee in the first round. You know, I, 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 I don't remember seeing that fight, but I, I just... Like, how do you throw an illegal knee that early in the fight? Um, and I, and they were pretty quick on it too. Mm-hmm. Let's put it out there. He waved they it were off. Really, yeah. They, they it, it, I, I didn't get a chance to see it. I, I was cooking at the time, mm-hmm. but it must have been a blast. And I mean, I haven't been able to find it. I may go back tonight uh, after we're done with the podcast and actually look at it. Yeah. And we might, we might do a little commentary on it on in, in a in an after show. Sure, that that sounds great. Montana right. De La Rosa versus Marat. Uh, Mara Romero Borella, uh, she uh, won via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Diego right. Sanchez defeated Michael Pereira uh, via disqualification, illegal knee. Now, I did watch this fight. Yes. Um, and, yes. And, I- and so here's the thing with this fight. Mm-hmm. Diego Sanchez was getting whooped from pillar to post. Like, he was being outclassed. Like, this was not even a fight. Um, right. And when the illegal knee came, Diego Sanchez was was getting destroyed. Um, and so I personally, there's a lot of fans out there who think that Diego Sanchez took the easy way out, knew he was losing on the cards, um, didn't want to go to decision, and so therefore he's like, I, I, I don't. I, I don't want to continue. And I think it's more of a I don't want to continue than I can't continue. Um, I agree. To, and I'll say it like this. Well, first of all, I, I, you know, Diego Sanchez is a, is a, is a welterweight. All right. He's, he, he's always, he's been welterweight, fought down at lightweight at some point. But he looks the size, mm-hmm. okay? If you put him next to Jordan St. Pierre, they look the size. Piera is not. A welterweight, okay. That dude is at least a middleweight. He could probably be a. He could probably definitely be a light heavyweight. He was a monster in that ring compared to compared to Diego Sanchez. And my son, who was actually watching it with me, he was like, "Oh, that's that dude that does the the, the backflip on people." And he did and it. I looked at him and I was like, "Are you sure it's this one?" And as we're talking, he actually eaten when he knocked Diego through. He actually did. I was like, "Okay, it's that dude." So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he he was a beast on 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 Diego. So when he did the illegal knee, I was like, "Ooh, yeah." Diego might Diego got a pass on this one. And sure enough, he and I'm like I said, I'm not saying it's right, 
but I understand. So, okay. so here's the thing, because there's a couple of other things we had to talk about on this one. But the the yeah. thing that I was listening to, man, I, I nearly busted my eardrums trying to get the because the doctor is talking to the referee, and so what he says is, "Oh, he can continue." It's the question is whether or not he wants to continue. So so the doctor was saying and and you catch it it's on the mic if you go back and find a replay listen oh, to the sure. listen to the to the to what the doctor says the doctor goes oh he can continue like like there's nothing wrong with Diego Sanchez right it's just whether or not whether it. or not he wants to continue because what happens is he's losing the fight and 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 he knows it everybody knows it then it's like okay well what is he going to do then and clearly, he chose to take the take the DQ. Before he did that, if you were li- if you were listening, because I was actually listening to to Diego talk to to the referee, and he was like, "Hey, can I speak to my cor- corner first? And they're like, "No." And he was like, "Nope, no, no coaches, no, none, none of that." And that's when he was like, "Well, I don't, I can't see. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to continue. I'm not yeah. able to see. I mean, and, yeah. and, and he's saying he's like the blood is yeah. in my eye, and he's not bleeding." Yeah. Exactly. And, well, he was bleeding just nowhere near his eye. Okay, it was like going over here. It's going over here. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, I get it. I understand. I'm not saying it's right, but I understand. Yeah. I, understand. I think I Diego Sanchez lost a lot of fans that night because everybody could see it. Everybody could see yeah. that he's making a calculated decision, that he, he there's money on the table that he can get if he just says, I can't fight. And I think... I didn't lose- I didn't lose respect. He he has he has so much, so much credibility around being that dog, that just mm-hmm. gets in the ring and just fights and fights regardless of what goes on. To see him go and to say I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, I'm calling it the easy way. Clearly not the easy way because he's in the ring. You know, right. I, I reiterate but, the fact that he's doing something that I can't do, and that's get into the ring and fight. Okay, right. but that said. He decided not to continue fighting when the fighter spirit is to continue fighting. When, by all accounts, except for his own, he could not continue. Like, he could have continued. So, here's the thing, though. So, a, a, a last fight that Diego Sanchez has, he brought in a new coach. And this new coach is like a kung fu guy who has really no, no real experience in the mixed martial arts world. And... He's been coaching Diego Sanchez up with very non-traditional methods. And so one of the things that one of the stories that's coming out of this fight is the fact that Diego Sanchez was being told that he had won the first round and was not getting any type of technical coaching. I wish George was here because he would talk about what types of things Diego Sanchez should have been told. But they were the commentators were talking about it too and saying mm-hmm. he needs to be able to close the distance and your coach mm-hmm. needs to be telling you how to close the distance and that's not what he was getting in the corner. What he was getting from his coach was come on, you can beat this guy. Do what you do. Go to work, man. Come on. You know, and that's akin to whole Coach Edmund telling Ronda Rousey, you know, head movement, head movement, you're doing great, head movement, while Ronda Rousey's getting knocked out. So it's like, you know, what do you think about this new coach? And do you think that Diego Sanchez is being led to destruction by this guy who seemingly has mind control over Diego? I wouldn't say mind control per se. I think um, he that his his words were were impressive probably during training camp, but like all great plans, they never survive initial contact. And that was he's a great the the coach was a great hype man, but as far as a technical person, he needed a real coach in there. Okay, uh, I understand the problem that he had with with Winkle John, I, 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 with Jackson Wink. I get it. I understand. He needs to get with a new team. Hey, he could go out to the BMF ranch. I'm pretty sure Cowboy would be would be in his corner for him. That could have taught him better stuff than what that coach did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hope I hope Diego when he when he you know when he today is tonight is Tuesday night. So I'm hoping that today or tomorrow um, Diego looks at old boy and be like, Nah, man, we're good. Okay, you can't do that to me again. 
I really hope so. Because Diego is just, I mean, any other time, he is just a a, a beast of eternal endurance. Mm-hmm. And he will not stop. And he has had great coaches sit there that, in my opinion, even I, as a non-corner person, was like, Get in there, okay. Get in there. Close that distance because yeah. this guy's got arms that are that that are reaching like your leg, okay. I mean, he was all he was literally a target practice for Pierre. Yeah, and 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 all he was doing was this kind of kung fu, this Wing Chun kind of you know hands up type of thing. And it's like, dude, you are a wrestler. Like, what are you yes. doing sitting on your back foot? Exactly. Like, this is this is insane. But, you know, that's kind of been the whole career for Diego Sanchez. Like, once he won the Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter number one, he is the very he the first, first Ultimate Fighter. This was a guy As that was, was one of my favorite fighters because of his relentless attacking style. And then, you know, he found religion, wanted to go from being the Nightmare, which was an apt name for him, to just being yeah. called the Dream and it was at that point that his career began to kind of decline, that his behavior and his language began to get more erratic, and it just began to fall apart. And then he had a resurgence, and he decided to call himself the Lionheart, which was already taken by by Anthony Smith. But let me just digress I was, there. I was, saying, I was thinking Chris Jericho, but okay. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. He had this resurgent, and then he comes up with this coach, and now it's like, who is this guy that's in Diego Sanchez's body? Mm-hmm. And then he then he come back to being uh, the nightmare again. Then he went back to nightmare ish. I don't even know now. I think they still introduce him as as Lionheart. I don't know, but it it breaks my heart to see Diego Sanchez decline like this. I, I would rather see him I cut. Can remember. I mean, honestly, and that might actually end up happening eventually, that he might end up going to Bellator, where he may prosper. Okay, we don't know. But I I, I remember the nightmare, and I remember him saying that they call me the nightmare because I stay on you. Mm-hmm. And that was his that was his bread and butter. Wrestling was his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And anybody, I implore anybody to go back watch to the, the early, old ones. The, yeah. the, watch the old Diego. Watch Diego's first five matches as the nightmare. And you'll be like, oh, my God, who is this person now? Mm-hmm. Okay, because Diego was on them. He was on them like the shirt that is on your back right now. Okay, he was on you like when you go into the bed and you put the covers on you. That's how he was on you. Okay, he was relentless with it and he would not stop. But now we have, you know, the guy that's doing the Wing Chun and the and the Frank Dukes and yeah, yeah, know. I got you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> man. All you, you like the covers when you get in the bed. That's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> all right. Okay. So uh, we already covered this, but just to wrap everything up here, Jan Blachowicz defeated Corey Anderson via KO. It was a right hand, just inside. He sat down on it, and just as Corey Anderson was coming in, blow. Just knocked him out. I, it was a great shot. He, it was super necessary to drop that other hammer fist on him. That was one round one, 308 in the round in the first round. Jan Blachowicz is the real deal. Let's get into finding the angles. All right, this is Finding the Angles. This is where we look at the headlines that are making waves in the UFC world, things that we think are industry worth talking about. So let's get into it, Mr. John Keyes. Uh, the first one, Kansas to experiment with the option for real-time scoring in MMA fights. So this really kind of goes back to the, the what we were talking about a few weeks ago with the John Jones-Dominic Reyes fight because, you know, everybody except for uh, George Stallworth and the referee sitting at cage side in Houston uh, thought that Dominic Reyes had done enough to beat John Jones. I had Dominic Reyes winning one, two, and three. Um, John Jones winning four and five. I think you had a very similar card. Um, yes. And the thing is, is that if there was real time scoring, which means between rounds, the fighters get to see what the judges score the round. And so, therefore, what happens is. Now you know whether or not you're winning or you're losing and how to adjust your strategy to account for that. So um, 
you know, I, I I actually like this idea, but I before I'm ready to ratify this, there needs to be some rule changes. First of all, I think they need to change the rule on whether or not there are there are rules around holding someone up against the cage. Like it's inconsistent the way referees decide when they're going to hold someone up against, allow someone to be held up against the cage, or if they're going to break them up and, and restart them. There needs to be rules on when a fighter is on the ground, when they're fighting on the ground, when a ju when a referee stands them up, and there has to be new rules around stalling or whatever what's called timidity, which is when you are not engaging, you're just kind of running around and staying away from your opponent. If you're going to do real-time scoring, you have to have those rules in place, and they need to be well-defined. Because when a fighter knows, especially if it's a five-round fight, and you're four to, four to zero coming into the fifth round, then you've got no reason. There's no way you can lose this fight as long as you don't get finished. So mm -hmm. stalling by holding your opponent up against the cage and not progressing, putting taking them down to the ground and not progressing, or just strictly running away does not make the fight game better. And so therefore I find that real-time scoring is problematic until you solve for those types of rule changes that need to happen. What do you think? I think they're going to address that and I'm I'm pretty sure that based on the experience of with boxing and such that they will have some sort of uh, a way to address that. Um, I'm also uh, the only other concern I really have for it is that if they hear the score and it's not a really good score. It's a lopsided score. They're going to sit there and try and be like, well, wait a minute. Who who did that? Mm -hmm. And focus and lose focus of the fight that's going on right there and focus more on the judges mm -hmm. that are out there. That's my only concern with that. Other than that, I think this is fantastic. Um, we need this. I think this is the that this is the only combat sport that does not have actual, you know, live live scoring. And it's sorely needed just so people can can understand so we can get a little bit more into the mind of the judges Two, We can also sit there and hold start holding judges a little bit more accountable to what to what they're doing and three hopefully ratify those those uh, those rule changes that you that you mentioned and you know hopefully we'll make it up this will I think that in the in the in the best possible way this will increase uh, a fighter's um, incentive to go out there and and actually fight and not just stall or lay and pray or anything like that. So there's also a really good argument against uh, real-time scoring, and that has mm -hmm. to do with the fact that um, if you know in other sports when a, a, a referee blows a call, they'll have they'll give you a gimme, right? They'll try to make it up to you. And so mm -hmm. there's a concern that judges will be swayed by fan reactions such that if the fans don't like the score – then what will happen is the uh, the judges will then give a 10-9 to make up for the 9-10 that they gave in the, in the previous round. So that by showing this, there is a concern that um, fan reaction can influence judges uh, moving, moving forward. So there's a lot of risks and a lot of concerns around these external forces that could affect the scoring. And so, therefore, mm -hmm. I'm glad Kansas is starting to experiment with it because we need some data points to show how well it goes. But the UFC has – I don't know the UFC's ever been. If it has, it's only been once to uh, to Kansas for a fight. So I don't know if we'll uh, see it in the UFC. Um, yeah, UFC Topeka maybe. It Topeka, was, I think they've been to Kansas City as well. I'm not 100. But why would they go to Kansas City, Kansas, and not Kansas City, Missouri? Who are you, Trump? What is what is it? Yeah, I know. It's two I, different I, cities. I had to throw that out there, dude. Anyway, okay, uh, but yeah, there was a UFC Topeka. There was. I think it was a UFC yeah. Topeka. Uh, so I, I I look forward to it. So stay tuned on that. We'll we'll keep uh we'll we'll keep we'll keep going on on that uh, as as we get more information. Caitlin Chukagian. Hmm. On pre-fight anxiety, I'd hope a minor car accident cancels the fight. So this was an article that was about um, how certain fighters like Caitlin Chukagian, Donald uh, Cowboy Cerrone, and even Kamaru Usman would have this pre-fight anxiety. I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was another one that they that they talked about that before the fight, it's you know they would 
really not want to be there, almost hoping that something would happen that would get them out of the fight before having to go in there and actually compete. And all of these fighters are fighters who have seen great success in the ring, still suffering from what would have effectively be called uh, stage fright. Or, or you know, so what do you think about that? Uh, I believe it. Um, I'm, I'm, I have a big anxiety towards any type of evaluation. Okay, doesn't matter how prepared I, I am. Okay, I always get nervous at tests. Mm-hmm. And I could see all the training that you've done, all the practicing, all the sparring and everything that that you get ready for. But actually going to that ring, that's a test. Mm-hmm. That's an evaluation of everything you've done. So I get it. Okay, I honestly get it. And, you know, my heart goes out to these guys. I, I know where they come from. Uh, I, I suffered through it. Uh, I think the – yeah, I suffered through it pretty much all my life. So – and. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. So, do you think that any of this has to do with the fact that, as that 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 inherently these are people who are not violent people, and so therefore this is like their internal conscience or whatever that's saying, "Don't go do this. This is this is not what we do." But then they go out there and do it anyway, mind over body kind of thing. I I I I think that there could be some of that where it's like I I have reservations of hurting some other person. But at the same time, my job is to hurt other people. No, I, I honestly don't think it's that. I think it deals more with um, the security of it all. Um, if you're not, if you're not believing one hundred percent in yourself to go out there and do what you do best, which is whatever it is, mm-hmm. okay, be it dancing, gymnastics, anything like that. If you're not 100% confident, and if you're if you've never had that foundation for confidence, mm-hmm. that's probably that. And that's I, I notice more often than that 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 is where people are lacking. Doesn't from all walks of life. If you don't have that foundation of confidence early in your life that says, "Yeah, you got this. You've 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 done you've done everything." If you don't have that and not that confident within yourself. You're always going to have that anxiety. I can, I, 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 you know, I never really had a strong foundation of confidence like that. So, you know, compared to now, that you know, after years of of doing what I do and you know, experiencing the the highs and the lows of what I do, you know, I, I I'm I'm more prepared than when I've than what I was maybe at 15 and 16 doing in you know in ROTC, you know, doing evaluations there. Or even when I was in the military, going for going for um, uh, my marksmanship reevaluate, you know, recertifications. You know, I was always nervous with that. Okay. You know? So, so maybe it's a little bit of that imposter syndrome where you feel like you're not good enough because you, you know. That's exactly what it is. All right, let's go on. Troll alert: Leon Edwards may walk out to Tyron Woodley's rap music at UFC <laughs> London. I love this. <laughs> I love this. This this we had to put this on because I, okay, you know that I have been like all about hating Tyron Woodley and his rap music. I think it's garbage. I think it's terrible. Leon Edwards agrees with me. And what they were saying is is that um Tyron Woodley has the ability to get rattled by people doing weird things to right right before they get in. And so it's possible that Leon Edwards could walk out to one of Tyron Woodley's two songs and, you know, and and just make a mockery of his his art art his art. I'm struggling yeah, to call it yeah. art. You notice that? Yeah, I'm yeah, struggling. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> I know that it's classified as music and in music music is considered art, so therefore Tyron Woodley's music and I'm using finger quotes here, is considered art, but I'm having trouble accepting that. Um, I think it's great. I hope, I hope that Tyrone Woodley has to see Leon Edwards walk out to his song. That would, man, that is some serious super trolling right there. Yes. You know, that somebody needs to take some notes on this one, okay? And I don't care what you say about uh, Tyrone Woodley's um, art form. Uh, It still sounds better than Amigos. All right, let's put it out there. What? But, yeah, still, let it be said, and y'all can make this viral. Mm -mm. It's still, Tyron Woodley 
still sounds better than the Migos. No, I think those Quote, are your, I think unquote. those are your gray hairs talking, man. Dude, like, hey, I listen to a lot of a lot of, of the current rap. There are some saviors to our to our to to rap and hip hop right now. Okay, there are saviors, and that's saved for it better for another day. Okay, all right? but I I hope he comes out to I'm gonna beat your arse. Okay, mm-hmm. that would be that would be that would be that would be hilarious. Okay, that will be hilarious. And what is with these wrestlers? That if something messes with their mentality, they are they're they're messed up. He's not the only one, only wrestler that acts like that. Yeah. You notice. So so speaking about trolling, uh, I'm gonna skip to this one. Colby Covington's abusive troll army threatened to kill referee Mark Goddard after the 245 stoppage. So you know one of the things that we we that we predicted that if 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 Colby Covington won the fight against Kamara Usman, then he may become this 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 king of the trolls that um you know that we didn't want to see and i think that it's already happened i think that there are a bunch of people who are misogynistic in nature who are trolls and who want to um to eat up all of the fake stuff that Colby Covington alternative facts sir. that Colby Covington facts. throws out there there are people who are eating that up and there are people who want to be a part of that army and so therefore every time and you know we may end up catching some uh some of it because we're disparaging Colby Covington but um Amen, anytime someone says look speak for yourself um but anytime someone says something bad about Colby Covington, these guys come out, and I don't know how big the army is, but there are clearly people who are fervently in the corner of Colby Covington because of his his pro-American uh, rhetoric. Okay, so let's let's unpack that a little bit. All right, um, I don't know who is Colby Covington's troll army. But if that's your king, is that your king? Really? Is that your king? All right, because he he ain't worth it. And I'm I imagine all six of those troll army. I think Mark Goddard got got something for them too. Okay, Mark Goddard does not look like a slouch no. that much. All right, I think he I think he got a a judo flip or fifteen ready for you. All right, so. Yeah, that. With that being said, I ain't worried about no Twitter warriors, no keyboard commandos. That's because you're not on Twitter. Uh, okay, exactly. So yeah, I'm a face. Hey, I'm fa- hey, 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 hey. I'm a little bit on the gram, so y'all can find me if you if you can find me. I'm stealthed out on the gram. Okay, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm not concerned about a keyboard keyboard commando. All right, you can come out there with your with your maga hat, your grunt style shirt. I don't care. I, I mean, you know, try Mark Goddard if you want to. I think you'll be sadly, uh, you'll be sadly mistaken for that. And you know, if that if that's what you know triggers you is to go after a judge for making a call about somebody's life, okay? Because it's clear. I mean, what more of a beating did you need to? I mean, don't get me wrong. I I would have liked to see you know Kobe take a couple three more, you know, for the for the team to make to make a point, but. Mark Garda's job is to save a, a fighter's life. And if he didn't answer any of those blows, he was saving his life. That's what you guys really got to go back and look. He was eating those blows with a broken jaw, okay? He needed to be saved. Kobe Covington is not your king, okay? He is not, he, he's, he's not the one. All right. You want a real fighter? Find a real fighter that is respectful enough to other fighters that doesn't have to troll them or make racist statements. Okay. Find that fighter. Oh, Get behind him. So, so when you say find a fighter that doesn't have to make racist statements, I guess you're not talking about Triple C Henry Cejudo, who is is starting to come under fire because he referred to Aljamain Sterling, one of his competitors at 135, as Aljamaima. Yes, he did. He did that. He did that. So, okay, let's, so, let's so, talk about So Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo, <laughs> Triple C. So just like Colby Covington, Henry Cejudo is trying to get himself some relevance by being this obnoxious, cringy guy 
on social media. And people hate him for it, but he gets eyeballs that way. And so, therefore, his stock in the sport has has elevated in order for him to get, you know, bigger fights, bigger platforms for him to continue this triple C, this annoying uh, mantra. Um, but has he taken it too far? Because um, he referred to Al Jermaine Sterling as uh, as uh, Al Jemima and Karen Bryant, who's you know well respected uh, journalist within the MMA community. She tweeted out to Henry Cejudo or, or messaged him and said, "Listen, if you want to know whether or not what you said was racist, let just take it from me, it was." And so, therefore, has Henry Cejudo gone too far? Personally, for me, I think he has. Okay, so coming from uh, one of the states in our glorious United States, hopefully you that did. Is, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm. I got the. I got the birth certificate. Uh, living, living. The long living form birth state, certificate. Is it the yeah, long form? Long form. Long form. With actually my little baby footprint on okay. it. Okay. It's still shit. Okay, but um, I've lived in a very racist state, and I've and I've seen some very racist things. Um, I've. I got thick skin to it. I, you know, the most I hear when I hear people say something like that, especially coming from a person of color. All right. That's it usually I, I usually give them uh, and and I guess that's that's a folly on me that I'm willing to give you one pass. OK. And say, OK. You took it a little too far, homie. That was a little racist. You might want to be careful next time. Matter of fact, I insist that you be very, very careful with your next words for the rest of your natural life, because the second time people are going to say you meant it. And and I find Triple C hilarious in, in his cringe because it's just like, OK, it's entertainment value. I don't want to believe that you meant that. I really don't. OK, because. Yeah, you did cringy stuff, but you also, at the time before you 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 changed to this triple C persona, you were you know you you very you were very much the respectable fighter. Um, you took a L today, all right. Uh, Ancient Mama goes back. If you if you actually look at the bottle, it goes back to Jim Crow, and we all know. And and without this turning to you know combat political talk, all right. We're gonna just say you need if you don't know who Jim Crow is or what he represents, you need to take a look before you speak next time. And if you even if you don't walk it back, that's fine. Just don't ever speak on this ever again, okay? But it would be, it, it would do better if you did did walk it back. Like, dude, I'm sorry, I didn't know. We'll, we'll, that'll make that'll garner more respect from you than anything. Yeah, and 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 I think I think and I'm hoping that he does that. And perhaps we just haven't seen the the post, or we haven't seen the coverage that that says that he's done that yet. Um, you know, I just don't want to normalize that type of language because what ends up happening yeah. is we'll try to explain it away. And when I say we, I'm talking about the larger MMA communities to say, hey, this is his triple C persona he you know he's just promoting a potential fight between him and Aljamain Sterling like we don't need to we don't need to blow this out bigger than what it is this is just promo talk and you know Casey and I have talked a long time about promo talk but I think that it normalizes it and says okay well promo talk now the line has gone beyond that so in the in in the in in promo talk then we can now allow people to make this type of joke about a fighter you know conor mcgregor went across the line many times in the in the floyd mayweather fights oh man you know oh yeah we we cannot normalize it we cannot stand for it and say it is okay to attack these types of things all day long if you want to attack Aljermaine sterling's record if you want to attack his fighting capabilities if you want to say that he is going to bow down to the king and all that kind of stuff you're free to say all of that stuff but when you start to attack you know, a person's ethnicity, when you start attacking their religion, when you start attacking their family, you know, their, their, their nation of origin, those are things that people hold so deeply that you're crossing lines because you're making this fight, which is supposed to be a sporting event and not personal into something that is to, to quote, uh, to quote Tyron Woodley, something that he's going to whip your arse for. Mm. 
Agreed. Um, yeah, you didn't get killed for that. All right, dude. Yeah, I thought you did, and I'm proud of. Mm, see, uh, see. So, uh, yeah, let's not let's not do that. Okay, let's you know, and this is, goes out to anybody that listens to this. If you talk about somebody's ethnicity, if you talk about somebody's family, if you talk about their country or the origin, or if you talk about their religion, you get what you get, and with no remorse. All right, you knew. You don't go down that path if you don't want to know what happens next. Yep. All right. That's right. It's just a fair warning. It's fair warning. So when we start talking about things about respect, the best story that I'll, I'm ready to end in this segment on is Dan Hooker greeting Paul Felder in a traditional Maori way ahead of UFC Auckland, which is Maui. coming up this weekend. Maori. Okay, Maori. Maori. There it is. Maori people yep. are the indigenous people of New Zealand. They, you know, whereas in Australia, the indigenous people were not necessarily respected in, in, for, for them being, you know, the, the first, the first people on that land, um, in, in Australia, in, in New Zealand, they have embraced the Maori people and in such the traditions of greeting and welcoming people into the land um, was something that we got to see on display. And it, there's a wonderful video of one of the Maori people uh, talking about how a greeting is done, which is usually when you greet someone with respect, you're going to put your noses together or your foreheads together um, in greeting. And so that is what they did. And so when uh, Paul Felder, who is from the United States, came into um, into Auckland and meeting the meeting the the New Zealand people, he put his you know he he did the Maori uh, tradition of putting his his forehead and his nose with the other person, and you get to see them go all the way down the line with Dan Hooker. Um, uh, who else is there? Uh, uh, Style Stylebender. Israel Adesanya is there, mm-hmm. you know, and they all do it. And it's a wonderful, respectful thing. And there's a great part where Dan Hooker's like, I am representing my country and I am representing the Maori people in this moment. I am on their land. And so to do something ridiculous and silly is disrespectful to them. And so therefore I am all strictly business here. I am, I am respecting all people in, in, in this moment. That is the ethos of this sport. That is the ethos of all of these martial arts. And we need to get back to that. I know that I sound like KC in that because I, he and I have debated this tremendous amounts of time. But the fact mm-hmm. is, is that this WWE bravado, this fake Triple C, this fake Colby Covington stuff that they're doing is destroying the ethos of the sport. And we need to bring that back. I agree, because in mixed martial artists, you still have martial arts, and martial arts teaches respect, teaches discipline. Now, if you're a comedian by trade, if that's your natural personality, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're going out of the way to be rude, crass, to, as part of psychological warfare, while, while there is an argument for that, there needs to be a, a hard line where you just don't go. All right, and and more often than not, the best of them knows how to do it. Chael Sonnen, he is the absolute best person to do trash talk, and you really have to see it because while he will he will attack a per he he will say things that are on the line, but he will never go too far. I think the well, I think the worst thing he ever said that he was gonna he was gonna smack um um. Anderson, Anderson Silva's, Silva's wife, wife, on the ass. wife on the butt and while she's cooking him a steak. Mm-hmm. That's about the worst he ever said. That guy and I think Anderson Silva got a got a got a knee in there for that. Yeah, and and, right. and but that was that was that was across the line. Like we all were like, Oh yeah. the, ooh, that's across the line and and that's most time yeah. you know, most often than not, he's really he, he mm-hmm. still talks to trash, but he has a level where he doesn't but, go. But we're he saying one time. Colby yes. Covington, one time a day. A day? A day. One time a video. Yeah. Okay. So, one time a video. So let's go into the final segment. We're, run, we're almost out of time. Let's get into the fight card. This is the fight card. This is where we look at the fights that are coming up this weekend. There are... 
two fights. We're going to cover one, and then we're going to talk about one. Uh, but here we go, John. We've got UFC Fight Night 168, Felder versus Hooker, uh, Saturday, February 22nd, 2020, at Spark Arena in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, we have six fights on the card. Uh, let's go through them real quickly. You got Kevin Aguilar versus Zabira Tukagov. You've got Magomed Mustafchev versus Brad Riddle. You got Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Ben Sosoli. You got Karolina Kovalevich versus Jalnian Yan. Jimmy Crute is facing off against Michael Alexijuk. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> and in the main event, Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. We're just going to pick a couple of a couple of, of random fights here. Kevin Aguilar versus Zabira Tukagov. Tukagov, of course, is part of the uh, Dagestani gangster crew that's following um, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. So, who you got in that fight? Oh, Tukagov. You got to take Tukagov. Um, Tukagov. Yeah, because, because I mean, if he's coming out of that, if anybody's coming out of that fight camp. They're they're gonna be maulers. Yeah. Okay. They they're they're dynamic fighters and they're maulers. Right. Yeah. Rule number one: never bet against the Russians, especially if they're from Dagestan. Um, mm. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Karolina Kovalevich. I haven't seen yes. Yao uh, Zhao Shan uh, Yan fight. So yeah, neither have I. So. But Carolina's been letting me down lately, man. You know, she is one of the cool coolest cucumbers you'll ever see in the in the ring. Um, but she's let me down these couple of times. So I'm going with her one more time, Carolina Kelvakavich for the win. But if you don't win, I'm off the hype train, girl. You've been letting me down. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'll hold you to it, sir. All right, in the main event, Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker, who you got? Uh, you know, I gotta go with the Irish Dragon, dude. Um, I I like him. I I like the 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 tenacity that he brings to the ring. Uh, so I look for him to to keep it going. All right, you got Paul Felder. I am going against you with Dan Hooker. I just don't see anybody beating Dan Hooker. Uh, this Dan Hooker is going to win this fight. I think he's going to okay. get a finish. So that is it. Last last pick for you. There is yeah. one other fight. That is what's up. Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. That is also this weekend. Who you got? To this day. All right. I'm going. Oh, my goodness. Deontay Wilder, man. I, I think. The Bronze Bomber. I think, that, yeah, I think the Bronze Bomber is going to bring all that anger. That, I think they take him off his meds like two or three days before he goes in that ring, and he just goes and does what he does. I don't think Fury's, Fury's good. I don't think Fury's ready for this. He may have trained, he may have sparred, he may have went through a camp, but I don't, once again, great plan, initial contact, okay? I don't think it's going to survive. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you like this. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Tyson Fury is going to win this fight. I had Tyson Fury picked as soon as they announced that they were going to have a rematch. I had Tyson Fury in this fight. Tyson Fury is the better boxer. Tyson Fury was winning on the cards till he got knocked down in the eighth round the last time, and it was a draw. So that means that it took a knockdown. It takes those big shots, and all you have to do, which is a big if, is avoid those big shots from Deontay Wilder. I think Tyson Fury is going to do it. He's going to get it done. We're going to see Tyson Fury win by decision, and I'm going to come back in two weeks because I'm not going to be. We're not going to have a show next week. In two weeks, I'm coming back, and I'm going to be wearing a top hat because I got all the answers right. Oh, Lord. Don't hold your breath, people. So Watch this page. Yeah, watch this page. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I, you know, I've been committing to I'm going to do smaller uh, reaction-type videos and things like that. I, I, I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to start doing it. So you're going to start seeing a lot more of me, see a lot more of John. We're going to get George to start doing it. And if KC has time... We'll see. Maybe we'll see KC as well. Um, so we will not have a show next week. So on uh, what what is the date of that? Uh, the 24th, we will not have a show, but we will be back on March the 2nd. Okay. Where are we going? Huh? Where are we going? Where are we going? Oh, I'm going to Amsterdam. Where are you going? Not Amsterdam, apparently. Yeah. Maybe I'll just try to do a video from Amsterdam. How about that? Maybe I'll run into a, a fight be, camp I, or something. I, dude, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. 
in over no Overeem's no longer in Amsterdam. No, no, is he? no. He's I think he's based out of here in the United States. Uh, no, hold on, hold on. Let me find out if his bro- what about okay. his brother I, Valentine? Okay. While you do that, I'm gonna go ahead and start wrapping up the show. How about that? All right, wrap it up. Hey, so he's gonna be in Amsterdam. I'm gonna try to give him the video. You're gonna have to bring me a kitchen magnet too, sir. Uh, I, I, I need that kitchen magnet. All right. Follow us on social media on Instagram. I'm at Combat Sports Talk. And I am at Keys to Victory. Okay. Um, George is at Geo Stallworth and Casey is at Push Pull Prey. You can find us on our website at www.combatsportstalk.com. Um, we are on all of your pod- podcasting platforms. So find us there if you want to see, listen to previous episodes, or if you want to subscribe, definitely subscribe on our YouTube channel or subscribe on any of the podcasting platforms that you call your favorites. Want to send a shout out to MMA Junkie and MMA Fighting, MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, and our new favorite place is the Intelligent Defense Discussion Group on Facebook. All the sites that are giving us the stories that we use for our show. On behalf of the man in the tinfoil hat, that's... G- I am not in a tinfoil hat. He, the man people, on behalf... Barney Hill. Look at On look behalf up. of the man in the tinfoil hat, uh-huh, uh-huh. my name is Ryan Smith, and I'm reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you in two weeks. <laughs>